order for me to live well, I need to have contact with nature, with trees, with, uh, with the outdoors. Today, I took a walk and just is coming into winter here in the Northwest and just that brisk air. Um, so I think there's that uh, that's important. And, and I also think that it's important to have a relationship with something that's greater than ourselves. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Reflections on Living Well podcast, where we explore perspectives on the good life in the 21st century. I am your host, Roderick Rodell. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Today, our guest is Shar Sundas. Shar is a mystic, a poet and spiritual director. She is the founder of Sundas Oracle Institute and provides trainings for visionary leaders, healers, warriors, and teachers. Hi, Shar. How are you doing? Hi, Broderick. I'm doing really well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for asking. And it's always a blessing to, uh, to work with you and be with you. Well, I am excited to have this conversation. I feel the same way about you. Uh, we always mm -hmm. have lively conversations and I think that uh, my audience uh, would benefit tremendously from hearing your take on what it means to live well and a good life. Um, mm -hmm. Before we jump into that, let's, can you tell us a little bit more about, about you, who you are and yeah, mm -hmm. in, 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 in any way you feel like doing so? It's <laughs> mm. very sweet way to ask that. Um, it's a big question. Who am I? No. <laughs> Who are we? What are we doing here? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I think that I discover more about who I am every day, Broderick. You know, like I think that it's constantly unfolding and my identity is constantly unfolding. Who I was yesterday is so different today. And, you know, who I'm going to be tomorrow hopefully will be different and, um, and maybe maintain some of the things that I have held closest and most meaningful. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my work has really been around teaching spirituality and teaching uh, leadership, uh, spiritual leadership, and, and training visionaries. We have so many skilled, incredibly gifted visionaries, people who can vision, people who receive knowledge from the world and uh, there aren't really places for people to explore what that really means. And, and if they take that to, uh, you know, many professionals, uh, it would be considered something that is not a gift and a blessing. And it's only a blessing. It's only a gift. And, um, and sometimes, you know, just like every other role in our world and as spiritual leaders, it's really to be able to hear those things, see them and translate them in such a way that it makes life better for others uh, and uh, makes um, more connection and wisdom and guidance for ourselves. And so I'm hoping we can get some more good, gifted, spiritual, well, any kind of gifted leaders. <laughs> we really exactly. need some. <laughs> we definitely um, do. Yeah, that says a little bit about my work and about kind of how I view things. Mm -hmm. well, thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. I think that that's, um, you're the perfect person to have this conversation with because uh, mm -hmm. I'm interested in that. Like, how do we make the world better? How do we make the lives of ourselves and others better? And mm -hmm. speaking of that, oh, so what is what does it mean to live well to you? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think the first thing is that may there be trees in my world. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that that's one of the most important things to me and. Um, I come from a really rich spiritual and cultural heritage and, uh, and um, ethnicity, um, a group of uh, like a little collective of ethnicities within my being. Um, and in all of them, you know, nature is very important. And um, I think that one of the things that we really need is to be in contact. In order for me to live well, I need to have contact with nature with trees, with uh, with the outdoors. Today, I took a walk and just is coming into winter here in the Northwest and just that brisk air. Um, so 
I think there's that uh, that's important. And, and I also think that it's important to have a relationship with something that's greater than ourselves. Um, I think that, uh, you know, humanity has kind of gotten things a little reversed. We've put, uh, instead of putting the divine first or the earth first or all of these beautiful creatures that surround us first, or, you know, it, we, ha we haven't really put anything before us or ahead of us. Um, and all of these beings, all of these creatures, all of these, uh, all of these things are really greater than we are <laughs> and have been here longer and actually live Many of them live like trees live much, much longer than human beings, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and so do stones. And so do, you know, there's many creatures who live longer and beings who live on this planet. So I just, I think living well uh, is really the ability to, uh, to be in service to these other beings and, um, and to be able to have a relationship, some form of, I call it like earth intimacy. It's, you know, there's this intimacy that we can have with the world that surrounds us that will support our very brief lives in, in a way that feels eternal, you know, in a way that feels like a richness beyond what the physical can give us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. that. So living well to you is, is a really important part of this is being in, uh, in touch with nature, being mm -hmm. in relationship with our natural selves and the natural world around us and taking into consideration uh, the impact of our actions on this environment around us and um, also just our just our well-being, like you said, going for a walk out in nature mm -hmm. and being with the trees and I feel you on that. I love trees. <laughs> and, oh, and just so great. Really great. When you're in the forest and just looking up, especially in, in, in the Northwest with the very large trees there and just being up in there and enjoying that beauty. So, so I, you know, let's unpack this a little bit. You, you mentioned something about your ancestry. I'm, I'm curious about where does this, where did this come from? This idea of being in touch with nature um, been in resonant with nature. I know it's kind of a weird thing to say because we are part of nature. We are an expression of it, but yes. I, I, we have to word it that way because sometimes our attitude yes. towards nature is to dominate it. And it's like, right. hold on for a minute, aren't we a part of it? So I'm, I'm curious to know um, where where does this come from? What are your influences? Hmm. Well, I have two mothers, so I have the great blessing of having had two mothers, an adoptive mother and a birth mother. Um, and so a lot of it really comes from them. And uh, my adoptive mother is Oglala Lakota Sioux uh, from the Makaha um, band. And, uh, and then my mother is mixed race of, of uh, uh, Mayan and, uh, and Mexican, English and Iranian and... Uh, and there's some others there. I have like 15 different ethnicities in me from both sides. So, oh, wow. um, but my, you know, my mother's really influenced me and that's the, probably the culture that has influenced me most is my, you know, both of my mothers, the indigenous uh, heritage. Um, and then of course I did a DNA test and all kinds of other amazing, interesting things showed up, including my birth father. So uh, which is another conversation. <laughs> oh, so there's Turkish awesome. and yeah. So there's some, some of these are new to me. So I haven't, I'm just newly exploring the Iranian. I didn't know about that. I didn't, you know, uh, so it's really interesting. Like I was saying earlier about that intersection of our identity and, you know, and, you know, and when we look into each chromosome, like what we discover and, so there's many different ethnicities within me, but but the one that has most the ones that have most influenced me are the Mexican, the Mayan, um, and uh, some English, some of the uh, some of the ancient uh, Druidic. Uh, my mother also studied some of the ancient Druid ways of being, and um, and then you know the ways that we're connected to the earth in that way, and then the Lakota, uh, the Lakota traditions. That's um, my true culture and. Uh, my my mothers and my brothers um, have really made sure that 
that they pass that down to me in a way that uh, that is really something that uh, something that I can give uh, that is that really informs like this is something that informs everything that I do. So they've given it to me in a way that that it it informs everything that that I do and my connection to nature and to to animals and there's a Lakota word chekpa which means uh, your animal twin and so uh, so we all have our our animal twins uh, in Mexican or in Spanish it would be uh, called your nagual um, and uh, in many tribes in Africa it would be called your bush soul. Um, and or uh, in clans, uh, for clans, it would be called your, your um, in European traditions, your, it would be called your clan. Um, and so, but, but all people feel this connection to this, this other being or have a love. It's very rare to meet a person who doesn't like animals or doesn't have a favorite animal. You know, everybody kind of has that. And, and so uh, there, are, uh, there are these ways that uh, that we can connect with something that enriches us, gives our lives more meaning, and assists us in delivering, you know, our purpose, our destiny, our view, our perspective in, in different ways. Um, so yeah, that's really that's really what's most informed is my incredible mothers. Both of them are mm. amazing. Yeah. And Barbara mm. was also French, so she's French and Lakota. Mm. Yeah. So, and then my Matilda mom is yeah, the blend of all kinds of other wonderful things. And so it's a really interesting intersection. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. I, I think for the audience who may not know, can you unpack some of those uh, ideas, philosophies uh, from the, I know there's various, uh, what we typically call Native American traditions, but uh, mm -hmm. can you elaborate a little bit uh, more and share with the audience, what is that worldview? What is this, you know, these, these, uh, soul or spirit connections that you're speaking of. Uh, mm. Can you say a little bit more about the worldview of these, yeah. this, this perspective? Yeah. Well, I think that um, I know I can only speak from what I learned from the time that I was very young, but, um, but the, uh, you know, the worldview is really, we take care of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, I was taught that we can hear the world and we can hear the world anywhere we go if we'll just listen. And I think that one of the things that we've stopped doing, and I think this is true for all cultures, um, is that many of us are not listening anymore to the stones, to the trees, to the birds. Um, and, you know, uh, I mean, one of my brothers is, I mean, he does transmissions, you know, he's a Lakota guy and, you know, and he does transmissions and, um, and, and that worldview is still the same uh, in all of our conversations through time. It's always been the same. And, uh, and then, you know, I have other adoptive brothers. I also have brothers from, uh, I've discovered a new, new brother who's older than me. <laughs> You know how that goes. <laughs> oh yeah, no. <laughs> As of DNA testing, which is so great, I'm so grateful for DNA testing right now. Um, but also, uh, you know, just just seeing that, you know, uh, looking at the at the Iranian culture or the Turkish culture, um, you're also seeing this. Um, no matter where you go in the world, when you're looking at um, before technology. Uh, modern technology, you're looking at ancient technologies. And, and so when we're looking at ancient technologies, you see, this is something really interesting, Broderick. I've had the holy privilege of traveling and, um, and going to different places in the world. And, and I have a thing for cave art, like, it's kind of serious. Um, and I, I'm just like, just take me to the cave art and I will be happy. Um, and I've seen cave art at the you know base of the Pyrenees Mountains. I've seen it here in Washington State. I've seen it um, in Africa. I've seen it just globally. I've had this holy privilege of seeing. And it's so interesting to me that it is that worldview. If you go under the crust of the earth, if you go into a cave, that is, you know, this ancient technology of record keeping, right? And of these incredible etches into the stone. 
you see, I saw the same thing in, in Africa as I did in, in Europe right? I saw the same thing. So these drawings of the, of the deer or of the, um, and, and here in the States. And um, there's, so there's this repetition of, of these symbols and these images. And what I find is I find that, you know, when we're talking about the worldview, it's like that is, there's images of the deer, there's images of spirals, there's images of people going into different ways of being or different states of being. There's, um, there's all of these symbols that we can follow that are speaking to us, that are, that are um, teaching us and telling us and passing down how we need to live. So I think that caring for the earth, caring for each other. Um, my mother's also part Basque. And so, uh, and, and that's also an indigenous worldview. Um, that is that is really based on at the core of every community at the core of every village every tribe we really want to care for one another we really want to take care of one another we want to look out for one another and you know the real work is finding ways to do that to care for for each other and to care for this precious earth for the ones who are coming, those yet unborn in some cultures. For one of my moms, it would be, well, for both of my moms, it would be for the next seven generations, you know. Um, for, you know, what can we do to preserve what is good, true, and lasting, you know, for those yet unborn, for the babies, for the children who aren't born yet. So um, it's it's good work. And, and now we just have so much to repair, I think, you know. Yeah. In order for that to happen. Yeah. I, I think these are very, very, very interesting, profound ideas. I think that, you know, what I'm gleaning from what you're saying is that uh, there are traditions who view the world as an animated, the world is alive. And there's this sense of connection with all of the animals you know we 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 tend to exclude ourselves from being an animal but we actually are animals interesting right <laughs> uh, so mm -hmm. we there's a time that we in in our history and there are peoples on the planet today that still see this that the world is alive the world is animated we mm. are part of it we are uh in connection with it not necessarily here to dominate it we're we're, we're playing a role within this um what's the word i'm looking for uh we're playing a role in this mixture of different expressions of life uh on and how do we take responsibility for that now i'm not saying that these folks think the way that we think about things um but i think that there's something to glean and something to learn from that and i think mm -hmm. in our in the scientific revolution that which has had its benefits i, I don't want to take back I don't, you can't take it back anyway. You can't take it back uh, evolution, but you don't, you know, this idea of throwing a baby out with the bathwater, there's something to seeing the world as animated, as alive. There's something to seeing your uh, interconnectedness with other animals, with other beings. Uh, as something to seeing a rock as a being. Do I need to anthropomorphize and say that, yeah, a rock is a being just like me? No, no, no one is saying that. It's just saying that it is a being of some sort, not necessarily the same as how we describe biological life. And I think right. that gets conflated and people use that as a, it's a straw man argument that, oh, that's just weird. How can you say a rock is alive? Well, rock, you're not saying live the way we categorize biological life. It's a different yeah. way of looking at that and talking about it. And I think that there's something to glean from that and just hearing what you're saying and how you keep coming back to nature. We mm -hmm. are a part of this. We are connected to this. We need to keep our, uh, uh, remind ourselves of that bond, that connection that we have uh, with nature. And, the agreement. and you're, yeah. yeah, and you're implying that that is an important part of what it means to live well, to live yeah. good in, the, in in the society. Is that a somewhat of a sum, summary of, of what you're saying? I'm just so impressed, Broderick. <laughs> I'm just 
just like you're such an expert. Like you're just listening at such a deep level. It's so beautiful to be heard that way. Yeah. So yeah. That, Thank you. Yeah, that's what it, that is what I'm saying. And um, yeah, and I think I think being connected with that that dream of the earth. You know, we're we're part of the 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 earth dreaming and. The earth is dreaming right now and we're part of that dream and and but how can we begin to use this new technology the power of this new technology and this ancient technology to create something better right that's i think that's really what we're being called to do is to blend these things in a way that really serves the well-being of all creatures and yeah it's it's interesting to think about i um I have a twin, my twin, uh, he's adopted me. Um, I don't know, I don't know how long ago, but very, very, very long time ago. Um, and he's like, I love you so much. You must be my twin. And I was like, wow, that's <laughs> very generous. Thank you. Um, and, and I do feel like we really do mirror each other pretty well. Um, but I had him come to the class. He's a storyteller. He's a Sim Xian storyteller from the Raven Clan. And he came to my class. He comes every year during the winter, usually to do storytelling for my spiritual identity class. And and he came last week, uh, last week. And and he was talking, he does, he always tells a story that's related to the material. And this time it was the numinous. Mm. And he was so funny. He's like, so Char just sends me this word, numinous. <laughs> you know, it says, let's let's do numinous. Let's talk about numinous. And, um, and of course, it's related to other symbols and other things. But just that, the, it, which really means connection to the divine, connection to the sacred, connection to, um, and he told a lovely story. But something that he, you know, uh, said for, as a Simchian person, is that the Simchian nation, they don't talk to the rocks. They wouldn't do that, you know, yeah. um, but they talk to, you know, the ravens and they talk to all of these other creatures, which are, you know, and the Lord of heaven, which is called, you know, it's called the Lord of heaven. And um, so there's all of these other things that they interact with in, in, in ways um, that he, that's what he was saying to my students, like we interact with all these other things, but not necessarily with the rocks. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. Whereas for me, one of the very first things that I did was I would sit and listen to the rocks for hours Right. I would I mean, they for for me, they hold so much wisdom like, oh, here, I'll show you. Um, just here's a little bag with a little stone in. This is a stone that I work with a lot. This is mm. you know, an inside and it has a name and it works with me each day. And, um, but I think that uh, Michael Yellowbird, um, who people can look up online, he's done some really great research on the impact of the brain on doing these uh, these interacting uh, with nature in these different ways and uh, what he, you know, calls uh, meditation on an item or on an object. So whether that is a stone or whether that is a, a tree or whether that is a thought or word, it's, it's one of the ways that we can return home. So maybe for me, it's a stone, maybe for someone else, it's a tree or, you know, in mm. Raven's bigger story, it was the hole in the sky, <laughs> you know, um, that they had to get up to, right? So uh, it's, but it's it's interesting uh, to think about, even though there's ways that that all tribes are very different and have way different ways of doing and thinking about things and different worldviews um, and different cosmologies. There's also a, just so much common ground that we all share, no matter where we're from, and and I think that that's a part of what the numinous or the spirit is asking us to do. The spirit is saying, you know, we, we are connected. We are, you know, we're all related as my moms tell me, you know, everything is, we're all related. I'm kind of an example of that with all these ethnicities. In my, I'm kind of like, wow, we all are related, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, like, For wow, sure. how'd that happen? Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, gee, what happened to make that happen? That's interesting. So just yeah. like from, from different poles, right? It's from South America mm -hmm. to, you know, Central America to, you know, mm -hmm. Canada and Europe and Middle yeah. East. It's like, wow, how did that happen? You know? So, I, yeah. Yeah. I love know. that common, yeah, that common theme, again, comes back to, <clears throat> we are, <clears throat> excuse me, we are it. We are a part of it. 
yeah. we're an expression of it. Build relationship with it. Um, mm -hmm. Humble ourselves and, and, and try to connect with it in some capacity. I think for me, that's what these traditions, that's how I'm interpreting it, of course, uh, what these mm -hmm. traditions do. I, I, never, I recall this uh, experience when I used to live there in uh, Seattle. And I was talking with this guy who's really into, um, they call it uh, tracking. And he was studying with someone, I think they were, they were Lakota. He's really into tracking. And he was like, go out in the woods and find a sit spot. That was a part of the training. Mm -hmm. So you go and just sit in the woods and just sit still. You know, I think he, I don't remember the exact time, but I would do it for like 20 minutes or so. But he said, sit still, don't move and watch how nature comes to life. It's such a profound impact on me, especially, you know, how it is up there in the Northwest. It's so beautiful, oh. so lush. And so just sit in the forest and just sit still and sit mm. quiet and let nature reveal itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. And because one of the things that he said, he's like, we go out there and we make up so much noise and just mm -hmm. not paying attention, but to like sit and be with it. It was it, life transforming. I got in the yeah. habit of doing it regularly. Um, and, and especially up there, I think that's the perfect places to do it. Yeah. And to just be there on, on, in the midst of that lush green. And he said, now watch how the birds think and everything comes to life when you sit still mm -hmm. and be quiet and start to really connect with that. And one may call it communicating, but just sitting still and listening mm -hmm. and being present, not making so much disturbance and see what happens. And he was right. It is, I, it's hard to put into words what that experience is. Um, but all I can say is it was life transforming for me. It, you know, I grew up in a rural country environment in South Carolina and I love, I love the country um, anyway, but I never did that. I had Please. never just sat there quiet and still and let it reveal itself to me. And it was just powerful. And I think the, these traditions, first of all, I didn't have all these distracting technologies that we had, <laughs> that we have. Yeah, um, and then just sitting there, they created stories and narratives to try to speak to their experience mm -hmm. and encouraging the tribe, the community to be like, there's something yeah. here. Here's a narrative and a story of, of, uh, um, that encourages a way of living that it yeah. can enhance this experience when you're still and connected with the natural environment around you. So I, I hear you. I, mm. you know, I don't do that any as often as I used to, and yeah. I, I, I should be doing it more. I should, but it would be well, me you know, we don't want for to my mental us. health to do I it. Know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, well, I, I think, uh, you know, I also think that, we need to encourage one another, you know, like, mm -hmm. like um, we need to encourage one another to have a spiritual life, to have a, you know, to attend to what we feel is sacred. And, um, and, and we need people to encourage us in real time, like what we're doing, you know, mm -hmm. um, and to, to have a conversation. So I really <clears throat> respect what you're doing because it's, it's, it's a form of encouragement, you know, exactly. No, we all, I think we all need help. We need help from each other to um, encourage each other to, mm, to do better, to live better, to live yeah. a good life, to live well. What does that mean? There's so many different angles, perspectives that you can take. Um, and how do I glean from you in this conversation? Mm -hmm. um, what can I do to, what can I take from this conversation to help me? To a, to a better job, for lack of a word, better word, better. I know, you know, yeah, right. I know. Somebody's like, well, better, you're trying to improve yourself. Whatever, you, you get the idea. You know, I'm not, I, I don't get caught up into using, you know, all these, the perfect words. Yeah. But, you know, because language just merely points to what, you, what you're trying to describe. But I think that, you know, when we are in conversation, it helps us. Um, guide us in some capacity, opens our minds to, to potential, another way of being, and we can get we get to play with that and and um, take that out into how we show up in the world. So yeah, I'm yeah I'm grateful for being reminded of the importance of like oh yeah, be in nature, 
see the world yeah. as animated. See what mm -hmm. happens when you think and see the world that way. I think there's something to it. There's something that I, it's hard to put a finger to. You got to go out and run the experiment. That's that scientific mindset, right? Go run an experiment. Go sit out in nature. Go be out yeah. there and see what happens. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I, I mean, you're also a scientist, which is something I appreciate a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes in, um, you know, I've said quite a few times here in previous podcasts about our um, over materialization of things, overly material. Yeah. We look at the world as simply material. Um, and yet I'm here talking about being in connection with the material world, but it's looking at the world in a way, uh, looking at the earth. And you've hinted at this, I think mm -hmm. you've not just used the word, word earth and you're thinking about molecules and atoms and quarks and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. You're saying earth and you're also using the word sacred and divine. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that's not just simply reducing it to physical earth. Yet at the same time, we're saying connect with this physical earth, but with an attitude of seeing it as divine. And can, yeah. can you say a little bit more about what you mean by sacred or divine? Yeah, that's a great thing. Uh, I wanted to speak a little bit to, um, there's a, um, in Mexico, there's many tribes that are uh, that do a lot of weaving. For instance, my scarf that I'm wearing actually is from mm. is Mayan. Awesome. <laughs> is a Mayan weaving, um, and it's made from a plant fiber. Um, and uh, like in the Weichel in the Weichel tradition, um, there is a special loom, and you lean your loom against the tree, and then you're weaving. Uh, and when you're weaving, you're thinking with a good heart. There's actually a book by the mm -hmm. name of Thinking with a Good Heart and awesome. um, about this process. And, and it, it really is, it's the loom is connected to the creator. And so you've, you've, leaned your, you've leaned your loom against the tree and the loom is connected with the creator. And then the weaving is medicine. Mm -hmm. The weaving itself that's coming through is is medicine and it is uh it has healing power because it's come from the great mystery and then you know something that um that i've learned and it's so interesting because you know i've seen this with some of the turkish with the ancient turkish with the tengriism i've seen this with uh, with the basque um i've seen it with um, the indigenous my mixed indigenous heritage um and uh in that um you know you see this a way that we're supposed to bring something to the earth. We're supposed, like, we are gifts. Like, we're we're like, you know, I don't know, birthday. We're like a birthday present for the earth. Our, our birthday is the earth Earth's birthday. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, like when we're born, we're like born with a gift. And like, then then you know, the purpose of our life is kind of to to give it or uh, to unwrap it. But then. We have this body and we're able to also have this um, spirit move through us, right? And to have uh, this opportunity to be, you know, um, Grandfather Wallace Blackout called it being a hollow little bone, you know? So you can be, you become a hollow little bone or some people um, would call it being like a tube, like the human being is supposed to be like a tube or a straw. And so in all cultures that are within me, I've heard it said in different ways, but it's saying that same thing, like we're here to bring a gift. But then if, if there's, um, if there's something that's needed, that's bigger than us, we have this way that we can hollow ourselves out and become that you know, that vessel or that, you know, in some cultures or traditions, they call it being a vessel. But spirit is not exclusive to any culture, mm -hmm. every culture globally, no matter who you are, all, all of us have ancestors and all of us need fucking help right now. Like <laughs> yes. we all need fucking help. We need help. And, and we all have spirit and, you know, in my courses, that's 
that's what I'm doing is I'm saying, oh, well, what is your idea of spirit and how can you access spirit? And, oh, this is your background and that's great. And so how do you, and so it's like discovering, I'm actually writing a book about this right now called Spiritual Identity, right? Or the way of the soul. And, and so, you know, helping people to discover their own spiritual identity, like who are you as a spiritual being? Because we didn't, we don't have, um, you know, even we don't even have access to our elders anymore because they're in little waiting rooms, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. tucked away in nursing homes, you know, waiting to die instead of being accessed and engaged by the youth for their wisdom and their knowledge. And and then the elders having access to the youth for their vision and their perspective. And, you know, and, you know, that's what makes up a village is all of those different ages of people. That's what it means to have a tribe. And, and you know, how can we... Um, you know, begin uh, to open to these different, uh, these different wisdom keepers, <laughs> you know, whether it is nature or whether it's an elder or whether it is a child who's fresh from the mystery, um, you know, how can we make sure to have access to the spirit, our own and, and the spirit, uh, that spirit that is, that is greater than us and, and find, disco- find out, discover who that is, what that is, what that means for ourselves as individuals and, and groups. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Discovering our spirit. And I love how you're, even though we're part of the great spirit, but we're, again, this is how I'm interpreting what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, each one of us are individual expressions, expressions of that. Mm-hmm. And what can we do to learn how and what that is, what is this expression? I am an expression of spirit or the divine. What does that mean for me? What, who am I? How am I that expression? And if I can tune into that, um, I can enhance my capacity to live well, you know, uh, because I am in line with my quote unquote purpose, uh, a greater purpose, a purpose that is hard for me to to put into words, it's not, okay, my purpose is to be a doctor or a lawyer or a shaman or whatever. No, no. my purpose is indescribable. <laughs> it's, 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 it's something that I have to discover. Like you're saying, I love how you, I love that. And, and so you're, you're mentioning um, that you do this in some in your workshops and things of that nature. Can you share a little more about um, the role of leadership? Uh, mm. Because you, I, I know that you do quite a few workshops, uh, retreats, and training mm-hmm. leaders. What yeah. what is the role of, role of leadership in a life well lived, in a good life? Mm. Well, I had an amazing mentor, Angela Sarian, and uh, mm. I remember Angela said to me once. She said, "All good leadership starts in the home," and uh, and I took that to heart. And I thought, well, you know, how am I leading myself, (laughs) first of all? And then, and, and, and what is the, what is the state of my relationships? And what is, how are things going in my home? How are my friendships, you know? Um, And, and I really appreciated that. Uh, And so I think that that's one of the first things. And then I believe that, you know, love is, (laughs) is a core value uh, and I believe that that is uh, the operational mechanism of good leadership. But I think that people don't actually know how it operates and they don't know how it functions um, and kind of don't know what it means. I think, you know, we say self-care, we say self-love, we say, but people are kind of like, I don't know that, you know, what does that mean, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. And so I believe that the capacity, a leader who has the capacity to love is going to be effective. And we've seen it time and time and time again. And you see it in the United Nations. Um, I mean, I've seen it in, you know, I have um, a, a dear friend who uh, who worked with the United, a couple of dear friends who worked with the United Nations for a long time. And just one of the, that's one of the things that I see in both of them is there's warmth and there's heart and, and, um, you know, uh, and yes, she she's a human rights lawyer, and to be in that role, and 
uh, uh, to be doing that work with such warmth and such heart and deep, deep love, right? I believe you know Anyath, yes? And yeah, so, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know it, yeah. Um, and, and so I think that there is, um, that there's just something when you see that kind of quality in a person, you know that they can lead well. So if you can love well, you can lead well. And then you got to just be able to think about other people. <laughs> you got to be able to create, I say this, win-win, you know, but, but how do you learn how to create a win-win? So first there's love and how to love, which means I need to know how to acknowledge. I need to know how to be grateful. I need to know how to be generous. I need to, and if I don't know how to do those things, I need to learn. Uh, I need to be able to have fun and laughter and play. Like those are all um, aspects of love, honesty, intimacy, vulnerability, courage. All of those things are the makeup of being a good leader um, because they center in the heart. They begin in the heart and then they move out from the heart. Mm. And in addition, they're not centered on the self. They're very much about the encouragement you and I were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's that. And then there's, you know, win-win means I need to have a conversation. So how do we have conversations? No matter how difficult the conversation is, how can we, you know, like really just kind of lean in to that, to the challenge, kind of move with the challenge, move uh, with things, recognizing that everyone has an equal contribution and that everyone must contribute equally to the conversation. Everyone must uh, be willing to face the discomfort and in order to move through, to get, you know, to give, to have a new experience, to have a different experience than the one they've had before. If we, don't talk, if we don't talk about it, if we're not able to have the conversations like what you're doing, then we're not going to be able to create new narratives and live in an even better world than any world we've known before, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, did that answer your question, Broderick? I... More than answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> for me, when I ask these questions, I'm like, okay, again, for me, language is just points a finger and I see what happens. And so the question oh. is to see what, what that sparked inside mm. of you. And I, so I think, words. right? I loved it. I'm like, oh, there's so much you just said in that. And I'm like, well, you know how I feel about love. Love is my guiding principle. And mm -hmm. uh, and, and to, to hear you say that leadership is about supporting love. Love is a part of what it means to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And a leader it helps facilitate uh, more love in the world. You know, mm -hmm. a good leader helps facilitate all those positive quali qualities that you mentioned. But a leader helps us uh, engage in dialogue and conversation in a compassionate way. And, mm -hmm. and I would say a civil way, not necessarily saying it's nice. Civil can be nice, right. but civil right. in the terms of like, hold on, we might disagree, but I want to respect you as a human being. And I, mm -hmm. I want to have this hard, challenging conversation with you. Uh, and I think that that's, that's so important, but it, it has mm -hmm. to be, I feel, and I resonate with you with this, it has to be rooted in love and love <laughs> suggests that there's some type of resonance. It goes back to nature again, that we are in connection with one another. Let's recognize that deep love that's at the foundation of who we are in relationship. At least that's a term that can be used to describe that foundational relationship that, uh, that, that uh, binds us. And to have that in, in mind, to remind ourselves of that, it's so important because we're not going to agree. We have different experiences, right. but how right. do we learn how to be like, okay, we're going to disagree and we're not going to get what we want out of this conversation right. necessarily, but can we at least remind each other that we are bound together? We are bound yeah. together by something that's so profound mm -hmm. that it's really hard to put into words. Yeah. Um, you know, we can call it nature we can call it the divine, the, the ground of all being, all these various terms, instead of getting caught up into overly defining a term, no, no, no. What is the term pointing to? Because right. it is really ineffable. It's indescribable. It's something that we can feel, we can sense, uh, but language is hard mm. to put it into language. And as we look at language as 
a means of trying to make sense of our experience. Um, and the importance of these types of conversations, or any conversation, especially when it's rooted in love or grounded in love, is there's a process of discovery for the individual it's themselves having the conversation or speaking their perspective, their viewpoint, and also the other person. And then there's something that happens in between us. You know, there's something happening in between that can enhance the human experience through dialogue and conversation and interaction. Uh, when it's done in a way of valuing the um, the life of the other person, when you, know, you yeah. value them, you see them as well. You, you're human like me. <laughs> you're fallible like me. Yeah, we're trying to we're figure almost... it out. Yeah. I don't know it all. Uh, I think I know it all, of course. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't know it all. And to right. be able to walk into that space and like, okay, let me hear you. I think I know more than you, but I want to hear what you have to say. And maybe I'll walk away from there like, oh, I actually didn't know everything. Um, hopefully that's, that one can walk out of a conversation like that. Like, oh, I, I thought I knew it all, but actually I do not. Um, yeah, that's like being so. too wise. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. right? Which is one of the things that like kills the dream, you know, mm -hmm. is being too wise. So yeah, it's just like, oh, how can I, yeah, because we get so entrenched in our ideas and it's it's that ability to go, oh, I'm I'm going to address this or I'm going to what, what was I thinking um about I was thinking about the three things that kill the dream, but also just love will always face the conflict. Real love mm -hmm. will always face the conflict and work to address and process it and resolve it. Mm -hmm. Right? And 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 but real love is fucking work. I mean, that's yes. work, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. to create that win-win. It's, yeah. it's not easy. I'm with you. I, you know, this win-win, this positive sum game, you know, we can have it. We feel like we have to have this excessively competitive way of interacting with one another. I'm like, what? no, we do not. It's not necessary. And I think it's rooted in our philosophical framework, the way we frame things. And mm -hmm. we don't, we're not even aware of it, how we're framing things. We got to dominate nature. We got to extract what we can out of nature and we're going to break nature to our will. Now we've adopted, a lot of us have adopted that viewpoint. So imagine that I'm looking at you, you are an expression of nature. Mm -hmm. You are, um, mm. Uh, you are an, an, an expression of nature. And um, if I have a framework for seeing nature as something for me to dominate, to control, then even if I'm not conscious of that viewpoint, that is influencing me in ways that I don't know. And so when yeah. I interact with another human being, they are an expression of nature. And well, I can dominate them too. You know, it's yeah. okay for me to dominate them because I need to break nature to my will uh, yeah. versus understanding mm -hmm. that, well, actually, I am an expression of it. What does that look like? Now, I didn't say it makes, you know, just having, just simply having mm -hmm. that worldview makes everything okay. I don't think that, you know, we, people have had this mm -hmm. worldview and engage in all kinds of wicked violence. But like you said, having that worldview and then trying the difficult work of making that worldview realizable mm. in your interactions. That's hard. That's really hard. It's hard to feel connected with something that you disagree with. And you may feel like, no, I have to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I have to, I have to dominate this situation. I have to, own it as my own. Yeah. That's the way, that's the means by which I can survive in this world. I'm like, no, actually, you can't. You know, I think we think we can, mm -hmm. but no, we are codependent, we're interdependent. We've yeah, always been. Yeah. 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 We're, that's how we got here. We've gotten here mm -hmm. because we had to work together as a species. Species. We well, had sure, to work yeah, together. In every way. In every way. Yeah, definitely had to work together. 
even with the if you think about it, it reminds me of when you know I, I I'm not going to say the different uh, tribe names because I don't recall that. But you know you think about the buffalo and how mm -hmm. certain tribes they hunted the buffalo. The buffalo they had a sacred relationship with the community and the tribe. And the buffalo was so significant for everything. Practically used every part of the buffalo. Still, still. even though you still yeah, do, yeah. even though they killed the buffalo, they still saw the buffalo as something sacred. And then you have these other Western settlers come here with a mentality of the world is for is my is for me to dominate, to control, to manipulate. Just go and just start wiping out buffalo for no reason, or just hunt for the sake of hunting, so you can put something on your wall. And I'm just like, mm, something is missing in that mentality. It's a very different. You can one oh. both people killed an animal, but right. they killed an animal in a very different framework, a very different relationship. And I think there's something to looking at that, and looking at how what worldview would go and kill an animal just for the sake of taking a picture with it and putting a a head on his wall. Man, that's very strange. Indeed, well, that's, way of yeah, looking at the world. Yeah, it's a kind of a more modern way look, of looking at it too. But yeah. what's true is that it was known that that was the food source mm -hmm. for the people, and that if that food source, if that food source could be eliminated, then the people would die. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I mean, there's the Oglala Lakota Sioux uh, College uh, on Pine Ridge. Um, there's a really powerful uh, exhibit of some photographs and you can see photographs of, of just the, these horrifying photographs of like two hunters standing on a pile of, I mean, it must be hundreds and hundreds oh, and yeah. hundreds. And, um, but the intention there was to wipe out the people and, yeah. uh, you know, among other things. So it, it's that mindset, which is again, what you were saying, like total domination and, and, you know, colonization, it's, you know, we're going to colonize this place, we're going to take ownership of this place, we're going to disseminate the people, we'll eliminate the people that live here. Um, and, and it's, it's this mind view of, um, of uh, really placing, placing oneself at the center and, uh, but that, uh, that others are disposable, you know, yeah. that, that these things are disposable and, and no life is disposable. I think, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, the Buffalo is very central in many of the ceremonies that we do as a family. And it's, it's central, you know, we work with every part um, and it's very central and, and, you know, those kill it. When we kill one, it's done in a sacred way. Mm -hmm. It's done in a good way. And I think, you know, um, I think that's another conversation about, you know, our, like our sustainability and our food and, you know, but, but that, you know, can we have, I ever, you know, looked an animal in the eye and asked permission mm -hmm. before, you know, because that, that, that purpose of that animal, maybe that animal doesn't want to feed me and keep me alive. If it does, it, it will offer itself. If it doesn't, it won't. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a very, very, uh, painful, difficult uh, conversation that's that's important, you know, to think about. Um, I do want to say something about um, how uh, there's a man named Ed Tick, and he, I believe his organization is called Warrior's Heart, but he works with veterans, and he's a psychotherapist who works with, with veterans. And, and I remember hearing him say, tell a story about or share a story. He shares a story in his organization about the buffalo and and how the buffalo, when the buffalo are being hunted, the um, the elder, stronger buffalo surround the younger uh, buffalo and the um, the other buffalo. And then when the um, when after the hunt, then the younger buffalo and the female buffalo will surround the other buffalo, the male buffalo or the stronger buffalo. So um, mm. that are now weak because they were running and protecting. And, um, and so, but there's just something interesting about that thought of like, oh, how do we surround and protect each other? And, and I'm thinking about, you know, and, and every culture, I remember Angela's talking about this, how every culture is really judged on how it takes care of 
they're poor, uh, they're children, uh, and they're sick. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, we're not doing hot, so hot right now. <laughs> you know, no. A lot of places and people aren't doing so hot right now. And so, you know, mm. so the real question is, you know, how do we how do we create a new because there's something we need to experience that we have never experienced before. And and mm. that's exactly what you're speaking to. And, and some of that quality of that is love. Some of that is about, you know, another aspect of there's so many different aspects of love, but but there's also there's validation, but there's also, you know, accountability and and uh, apology and, uh, you know, those things need to be authentic. And, you know, it's interesting. I think that people just have a hard time just apologizing, not just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but this is what I did. I made a mistake. I apologize. I'm discovering more about myself. This is what I'm doing to work on it. What can I do to make it up to you? That is trying to figure something out and do something different. And, and I, one of the things I like to say is like, in leadership, peace talks, war doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think where you're coming from, which is around more conversations, uh, you know, to, you know, I, I think encouraging life you know, how can we encourage life? And with words, oh, I wanted to say, Roderick, with words, like, you know, I'm a poet and a writer and uh, and I also sing. And, you know, these are the things that heal us. You know, after mm-hmm. I've, when I've been singing, there's so many beautiful healing songs and all, you know, all the way from the Basque to the French, to the English, to the, you know, Mayan, to the, all of the cultures in my being, uh, to the Lakota song, all of those songs are, they're healing songs and they're expressions mm-hmm. of the divine through us. And so I, you know, in the Mayan calendar, uh, it was a belief until 2012 that that time was money. It was 24 seven. And so on the Mayan calendar, there was, you know, that w- it was in a cycle and that cycle ended, oh, was it 2013? Uh, well, I have to ask Araceli and make sure of that. But, um, but around that time, uh, the cycle changed and it changed to, um, 2013, which is a feminine number. The other number was a masculine number. And so now it changed to the 2013, which is a um, which is a feminine number and a receptive number, but that means time is art. So we're in a new, we've left the cycle of time is money and we're in a new cycle called time is art. And so now the work is when we're talking about being a tube or being a hollow bone, or it's really what comes through us. It's the songs, it's the, it's the dances, it's the words, it's the art forms, it's the poetry, it's the writing, it's the, you know, the caregiving, not caretaking, but caregiving that we can do, you know, mm-hmm. of each other, of the earth, of, you know, and, and the collaboration that, that we can do. But really, what is my art? What was the art that I landed here with? And, yeah. and if I don't know what it is, I can explore it and discover it and figure it out. But yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. We're all artists. And like, how do we, mm-hmm. that's a great way of looking at it. How do we glorify art in the way we live? I love yeah. that. I love it. And in the process of doing that, we're glorifying the divine. You could, you could take all of these various traditional metaphors and yeah. like, and, and, and see how they can be um, intertwined in some capacity. You know, I think about that, you know, being a vehicle for the divine, being a vehicle for God and being an expression of beauty and goodness in the world uh, as an artist. You know, we are an artist. I mean, we, we, we truly are. You know, we, every day we practice our art and how we express ourselves. And even if you layer on top of that, these various uh, artistic expressions that we can do in this world through singing, through, through playing with words and through drawing, sketching, all types of forms of capoeira. Work. I mean, yeah, dancing yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're a practitioner, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. So powerful. And so it is, and it's like you know, we're always this is all divine play, all the divine dance, you know, you know, and how do we uh, express mm-hmm. that in a way? For me. I'm constantly coming back to how do we express that in a way in a way that's loving, and I mm-hmm. tailor these conversations towards the good, because um, I think the good 
in, in, encourages or reminds us uh, that we are all rooted in love mm. and getting to know that love and to, to getting to know how to articulate and express that love in our interactions. I think that that's, um, I shouldn't say that's what we're all trying to do, but I should say that there's a lofty goal that we could be working towards. Yeah. Uh, and that shows up in living well, I think. I think at the mm. bottom at the, of living well is love, is rooted in love. And yeah. and how do we figure out how to do that? Just like you said, love is difficult. It's difficult to to live well. I, I love how you, you also said, like, what does that mean? What does that mean that I, I my purpose? I, don't, you know, I have to discover it. I have to work at it. We yeah. have to work at living well. I don't know. <laughs> what a, a, a single definition of living well means of the good life or even love. I can't put it into one word. If if I could, that w this podcast is pointless <laughs> because <laughs> the whole point is like to talk to different people from different expressions, uh, different backgrounds. And I'm like, what do you think? Um, and I think that this has been just awesome to have this conversation with, with you. I, we could go on and on and on and on. I know. Well, yeah. Um, but I'm going to be respectful of your time. And also this mm -hmm. is where we're near the end here. Um, mm. and I want to ask you, ask you two more questions here. Um, can you, any thoughts, any more thoughts about living well that has come up for you from this conversation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so potent, so powerful. I'm looking at all my myriad of notes here, but I think that, <laughs> I think that, you know, accessing, um, a place in in our lives where uh, where there where love lives, <laughs> yeah. you know, where love is alive, and and allowing that to animate our interactions, but also recognizing that the soul is what animates us, and and I think discovering our spiritual values, like what are my spiritual values, and then like actually living them, like not just mm. talking about them, but really yeah. like if you know, love, creativity, you know, uh, communication, you know, all of the different arms of love, of generosity and forgiveness and gratitude. Yeah. You know, if those are my core values, my core spiritual values, we need to live them. And, uh, and that's really something that is in high relief for me right now, uh, especially with things as they are in the world. Yeah, I know. I know. That's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Are there any, I, I, you know, that that's great. Are there any final words you would like to leave for the audience? And Aww. that could be in a, any form. That can be a suggestion. That could be a question that you leave the audience, whatever you feel. To, uh, say. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, um, there was a talk that Toni Morrison gave uh, of many, many talks and speaking of someone who expressed the divine through mm -hmm. writing and, um, but she, uh, her response to one Williams in the Connecticut Forum, uh, when she was posed a question is, how do you survive in a world where we're all victims of something? And she responded, sometimes you don't survive whole, you just survive in part. But the grandeur of life is that attempt. It's not about the solution. It's about being as fearless as one can as fearless as one can and behaving as beautifully as one can under completely impossible circumstances. That makes it elegant. Good is more interesting. Good is just more interesting, more complex and more demanding and more demanding. And uh, it's Toni Morrison from her conversation with Juan Williams. Uh, and I would just say, you know, I just pose the question, like, what is good demanding of you at this time? Mm -hmm. And and how can you meet that demand? Uh, because it really is more interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. and thank you so much uh, for being in my world. You're, you are a luminescent being, and I, I love being in your presence and and having our conversations, it really adds so much meaning and wonder to my world. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Shara. And it's just been lovely having this conversation with you in this medium. Uh, you're such a beautiful soul. I, I just love you. And 
Look forward to many more conversations. And uh, this has been a, a pleasure. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you, Patrick. I love you. And I will talk with you soon. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I hope this conversation has inspired you to reflect on your own views of the good life. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, please follow, write a review, and rate us on your favorite podcast app. If you are tuning in on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe. Your support is very much appreciated.